for all, for all things ATL. ATL for everything Falcons. First to the end zone, touchdown! This is Peachtree Football. Now, your host, Dylan Matthews and Bo Morgan. What's going on, everybody? It is your boy, Dylan Matthews, alongside the man, the myth, the legend himself, Bo Morgan, and together we are Peachtree Football. Make sure you download the podcast, follow the podcast. You can get it wherever you get your podcast. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcast. That's where Peachtree Football is. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. We got a great episode lined up for you guys because we are getting into the matchup that is... Falcons at Seahawks. Falcons traveling to the 12th man. Well, they've been there. They've been in Seattle for over a week now. Bo Morgan, he might be getting a little homesick as long as he's been on the road. We'll get into that in a second. But we are getting into the matchup. So we're giving you our matchups to watch. Keys to the game. You know we come with some score predictions to end the episode out. But first and foremost, Bo Morgan, how are you doing? Are you starting to get a little homesick? Uh, Homesick? I mean, uh, there's things I miss about home. Yeah, uh, obviously I miss, miss my wife and uh, right. miss my uh, miss my gym too. I'm not going to mention, and, I, and that's the second thing, which is kind of weird. But um, I just uh, spent, you know, th- I'm getting kind of tired of making up some stuff in this small little gym we got here and dealing <laughs> right. with a crowded gym. But I do miss my wife. I miss my dog. Yep. Miss Lola a lot. Lola, you know, little Lola, you know, she's. But uh, yeah, no, I'm not homesick. I don't really get homesick. Uh-huh. Um, I, I get tired of being in a hotel after a while. Right. That's right. probably, you know, when we were in the pandemic, um, I would uh, I would walk outside during some commercial breaks when we were doing Dukes and Bell. I'd walk outside and you know go to the mailbox or just take a minute here or there, and um, right. you know it's kind of not uh feasible um with with um with being in a hotel so uh, i do walk i'll do we'll get out of the room for a minute during the break but um you know that's the only thing for me is i'm just starting to feel a little little stir crazy um barricaded in um the last time i did this i did mornings so i would wake up super early do the show and then i could kind of do whatever the rest of the day right this is a little bit different because it's more in the middle of the day. Exactly. And so, yeah, but no, I mean, it's good. I've, I've enjoyed the trip so far. Um, again, I don't really get homesick, but it will be nice to go home, sleep in my own bed and uh, yeah, yeah. be in my own environment. But yeah, it's, it's cool. It's an experience. I, I kind of, kind of like, you know, working remote at times and, and getting out here and, um, you know, going through different stuff. So yeah, no, not homesick, I guess, in a long <laughs> answer. Squid Billy does though. Mrs. Wife. He misses Lola, the dog, and he misses getting swole at his own gym. So some things to miss at home for sure. But Squid Billy will be back soon. You've been on the road for like almost a week now. I think tomorrow will be a week, right? Yeah, we left um, Saturday morning uh, to come out here. So tomorrow will be a week. So all in all, I guess I'll arrive Monday morning back in Atlanta, um, you know, like five or six in the morning. So I guess it'll be a full Seven, eight, yeah, almost nine days. Full stretch of Squid Billy being on the road, but we will. Uh, we got some business to take care of before Squid Billy comes back, and before we sign off today, and that's to give you all the information and insight you need going into this Falcons Seahawks matchup. So, without further ado, Bo, let's go ahead and get into our matchups 
for today. What's first on your matchups to watch for Sunday? Uh, one of the matchups I've got is, to me, I feel like we have a struggling A.J. Terrell. I yes. think A.J.'s given up three touchdowns already. Now, a couple of those are really great. The other one, I, I you know, I've talked with Arch about this, and mm-hmm. we've kind of looked at maybe technique or what, what could have happened differently. And it almost looks like maybe he's got to get a jam immediately there, and he doesn't okay. on the yeah. line of scrimmage, and it kind of create allows the receiver who ran the route uh, to get that separation. So, to me, it's AJ versus Metcalf. I, I don't. Metcalf has has only got eleven catches so far for seventy one yards. So yeah, he hasn't gone off at all. No, uh, no touchdowns. So he's a you know he's really in his career here. I think he's going into his this is his fourth year. He's been a big play guy. They're paying him like a big play receiver, and he he's just not made those plays as of yet. And so to me, that's a big that's a big deal in this game. Right. Can AJ or Hayward, whoever is over there, can they can they keep him from having those big plays? We've seen big plays hurt this Falcons team already against the Saints. Obviously, that four play drive that really put them back in the game. That right. was that was a, a, a drive where it was chunk. So there's big plays. So can can AJ come in and limit uh, DK Metcalf? Metcalf has played well against the Falcons, and in two games he's got seven catches for 108 yards. With three touchdowns, so almost Ooh. half catches uh, have been touchdowns. So right. that's a that's a guy that you know I know it's different players, but he sees the red and black, and he's not he's not worried. He he knows he can play well against him. You think it's luck time? So you gotta you know you gotta you gotta be careful with it. He's he's a six four two hundred almost forty pound receiver where AJ is is you know he's good size for a DB, but he's six one little on you know under 200 so there's a 40 pound weight discrepancy there and, and a couple inches so if you're going to get up and maybe jam him you got to be careful of that so i expect to see him play a little bit off and and and, and try to you know pl- basically run with him instead of trying to challenge him at the and play some kind of press coverage or press bell coverage or whatnot i would expect him to give a little bit of a cushion but that's been the issue. You don't want to give too much of a cushion. But really, for right. me, limit DK Metcalf with the big plays. And I think the guy for that is A.J. Terrell. It's interesting that you say that because I've heard Arch say it too because he said it on the broadcast about – and it hasn't just been A.J. Terrell because I think he talked about it was either Casey Hayward, maybe it was D. Alford, not jamming at the line. And this was in the Rams game. I forgot um, who it was supposed to be, the receiver that is. But he talked about, I think it it was near the goal line, and he talked about you know not jamming the 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 receiver coming off his route, and he just ran an easy fade route. Now, luckily Matthew Stafford didn't hit him, but that is a thing you know that you're talking about now is jamming receivers at the line, and you know really getting their hands on them within those five yards that you can do that. But like you said, I don't know if that's necessarily the strategy for DJ uh, DK Metcalf because he is strong. I mean, he's extremely fast too but he's also massively strong I mean he's just a terrific terrific athlete so it'll be interesting to see how they approach what they do with DK Metcalf and how AJ Terrell handles DK Metcalf coming off the line of scrimmage do you give him that cushion do you try to jam him up a little bit and see if you can get big with DK Metcalf that's probably not the greatest idea because he might be able to you know no shade to AJ but he ain't strong as DK Metcalf so he might be able to throw him off to the side and then he might be streaking wide open on a certain route. So 
it'll be interesting to see, like you mentioned, how they handle DK Metcalf, how much cushion is there, because you don't want to give too much, like you said, as well. So that's very that's going to be very interesting to watch how they handle DK Metcalf. And I wonder if, you know, they maybe switch back and forth between maybe some snaps. AJ is on Tyler Lockett, who's obviously not as strong. He's more of a speedster, but AJ can run with them. Well, I think I think it will be based. I think they'll probably be, maybe cater to where where guys are lined up. They might just right. half off the field, you know. You know, right. AJ on one side and Casey on the other. The, the biggest thing to your point though about getting a, the you know, you have to be careful when you want to come up and and and, and get hands on a guy because if yeah. you whiff now, if you whiff on a on a jam, they just run right by you. Yep. And the thing we saw last night in the Thursday night football game. Where uh, the Steelers, I believe it, I believe it, the Steelers were on offense. Uh, the DB got a jam at the line, and and, he, and and so he runs that 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 fade to the or that you know back of the end zone route, and because of the jam, it threw the route off, and now the the, the receiver basically his route is affected, right. and the ball was kind of over in the in uh to the, to the side of the on the sideline there of the end zone. And the boundary line, and, and the ball just basically set over his head because the receiver's route had been thrown off by the jam. You're right, it's harder. Tyler Lockett's a guy now that you brought up. Mm-hmm. That's a guy who's had a lot of big games against uh, the Falcons. Yeah. He, he no touchdowns, but in in four games, the guy's got 21 catches for 250. Mm-hmm. Oh, he, now that a lot of that is Russell Wilson. That was Russell Wilson's guy when Russell was here. Yeah, he got in trouble. He always seemed to find Tyler Lockett, kind of like we've seen with in the past with Patrick Mahomes, where he would get in trouble and he would always seem to find Tyreek Hill or or, or, or Travis Kelsey. Like those are yep. guys that, that always seem to be that, that would get found when uh, when when Mahomes got in trouble. That's what Tyler Lockett was to Russell Wilson. Now. Lockett so far this year, you know, he does have 12. He's coming off a nine-catch, 100-yard, 107-yard game. But he's Mm -hmm. only got 12 for 135 for the season only. That's really good. That's really good so far. So, clearly, to your point, Geno's already found him and already gotten comfortable with Tyler Lockett. And let's stick to Geno Smith and the passing game because this goes in directly into my matchup. I think an important matchup for the Falcons this week is Rashawn Evans versus the Seahawks running back, Rashad Penny. Now, Rashawn Evans, we heard his name a lot during the preseason. I mean, it seemed like he was making tackle after tackle after tackle. It seemed like he was going to lead the Falcons in tackles this season. Now, him and Michael Walker, Michael Walker, you can probably have, well, definitely probably has been better. He has an interception and, you know, Rashawn Evans does it, but they do have the same amount of tackles. 13 combined tackles. Now, they're switched when you talk about solo and combined. Rashawn Evans, nine uh, combined ta- or nine combined tackles or combo tackles, I guess that is. And he has four solo, and it's uh, the other way around for Michael Walker. He has nine solo and four uh, combo tackles. So they both with the same amount of tackles, but Michael Walker has been a little bit more impactful, obviously, with the interception. So Rashawn Evans, to me, I think this could be a really good game for him. We know how much Pete Carroll wants to establish the run game how much he wants to run the football. I mean, because if he, if he ain't let Russell Wilson cook, he ain't going to let Geno Smith cook. But you just talked about the passing yards that Geno Smith already has, and, you know, it's racked up to Tyler Lockett. So the passing game is going to be there, but they're going to try to establish the run first. So if you are able to make 
the Seattle Seahawks one-dimensional, and Rashawn Evans, Michael Walker, and the rest of that linebacking core is able to slow down Rashad Penny in the Seahawks running game, and you put Geno Smith in some obvious passing situations, some third and longs. I think that's when you can start to see Geno Smith air it out more than Pete Carroll would like to, and maybe we come away with some more turnovers like we did in the Rams game. So stopping the run, because we know that's Pete Carroll's bread and butter. If you do that, I think you could end up having a really good day, especially on the defensive side of the football, including getting some takeaways. Well, that's something I expect them to do. I mean, this um, this team is is last in the league in rushing at 56 yards a, a game so far. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a key for the Falcons if they can slow down that run. Now, now we heard Pete Carroll say that he was going to unleash Geno Smith. Um Okay. And I don't really know what that means. I don't um, either. I know, that, you said it. <laughs> I know Geno Smith is, is completing 81% of his passes this year. This is a guy for his career is a 60% completion percentage guy, but he's he is completing 81% already. So he's been very efficient. Yeah. But 24 30 for 197 yards is what they had last week in a game that you lost by 20 points. You know, the guy's completed almost 50 passes and he's not thrown for over 400 yards for the season. So everything they're doing is short mm-hmm. and they're not, they're not pushing the ball downfield, which I do think that's why my, one of my matchups was Terrell versus TK Metcalf. Right. Because I think that's going to, they're going to have an emphasis on that, but you're right. Richard Penny is the guy they want to go to. Um, you know, he's had, he's had, injuries in his career but he him and kenneth now kenneth walker is a rookie who's only gotten four carries so far i, I don't know why they're not feeding him yet i know he was very good at, at miss <clears throat> michigan state had mm-hmm. a great year last year and he's a guy who you know at five five nine 210 pounds he <clears throat> he'll hit you oh, yeah. uh, now rashad penny's a bigger bat so maybe that's that's part of it but and I think Penny's a little bit better in the in the receiving game. So, <clears throat> what they do with these backs, but you know, this is a the situation, and it's one of my keys. But yeah. it's also kind of a matchup. Uh-huh. Is this Falcons defense against the Seahawks offense in the in the red area? This is yeah. the this is the worst offense in the NFL in the red area. They have scored no touchdowns in the red area. Okay. That being said, this is one of the worst defenses yeah. the Falcons have coming in in the red area. They're allowing 87% of the time touchdowns, seven out of nine times. Teams have scored touchdowns in the red area. So wow. it's going um, to be a matchup to look at because mm-hmm. this is one of my keys to the game is the Falcons on both sides of the ball improving. So maybe seeing them improve – Defensively, this could be a matchup that decides the game. Is if can the Falcons not break in that red area, and it's going to be a key to this game as well. And I'll get to that later because there's some offensive stuff where the Falcons need to improve in the red area as well. But it's pretty big. I, I had to double take this when I saw this these these red area numbers uh, for the Seahawks and and the Falcons. Unfortunately, I've lived and I've been harking on it, and I'm getting mm-hmm. red in the face talking about the red area every day. I come <laughs> on this podcast, I talk about the red area. And we've got to it, it because it is such a big deal. You know, everybody can complain about Kyle Pitts not getting touches and Marcus Mariota's, uh, you know, 
his inefficiencies at times where turned the ball over at inopportune times or recovered a snap that he fumbled on third and one. But ultimately, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, you compound those with not having success on either side of the ball in the red area, and it's a big deal, and it's costing you football games. That's why you're 0-2, yep. not honestly 2-0. and Exactly. Bo Morgan, it, it, you are right getting right in the face talking about the red area for the Atlanta Falcons because you're exactly right. Not being efficient on either side of the red area is why the Falcons are 0-2 instead of 2-0. You said it yourself. So very interesting stat there. That's a great pull. One of those things is going to have to improve for one of those teams. Either the Falcons are going to have to start bending and not breaking in the red zone, or the Seahawks are going to have to start scoring in the red zone. So one of those two, two things who have been pretty bad are going to have to improve this football game. Hopefully it's the Atlanta Falcons. Let's get into one more matchup, kind of slash key for this game. For me, it's I'm going to narrow it down to Tyler Algier because I really want – I know I feel good about Cordell Patterson, so that's why I'm kind of narrowing it down to Tyler Algier, but it's really the run game overall. So Tyler Algier against the defensive line and really the defense overall of the Seattle Seahawks. I say the defensive line because the Seattle Seahawks defense has given up 292 rushing yards through the first two games. That's almost 150 yards per game on the ground. The Atlanta Falcons – Want to run the football. They want to establish the run. Arthur Smith is obviously run first. If you can get the running game going, that's going to open so many things up. Uh, so many things up. We know Arthur Smith wants to, you know, do a little RPO action with Marcus Mario to get him out of the pocket. If that running game is going, that the defense doesn't know which way they want to go if the run game is, you know, getting really scary out there for the Atlanta Falcons. Obviously, it's going to open things up for the play action, and they get bootlegs they want to run. So, if you get the running game going and you become, you know, you keep that Seattle Seahawks off uh, defense off balance, that's going to open so many things up for guys the Falcons fans want to see, like Kyle Pitts. You want to see more of Drake London. So if you want to see things open up on the offensive end and you want to see get guys get involved, you got to get that running game going first to keep that Seattle Seahawks defense off balance. So for me, that's a matchup slash key. Tyler Algier, you want to really see him getting going. He had a... Uh, eh, okay debut we'll say 10 rushes uh 10 carries excuse me for 30 yards he split time with split carries with Cordero Patterson so we'll see if he can have a bigger impact and a bigger performance in week two but overall that run game has to be a factor for the Atlanta Falcons you have to take advantage of a Seahawks defense that hasn't stopped the run uh so far this season yeah, and that's a, that's a good – and that's something that this team wants to do. The Falcons have been really mm-hmm. good at running the ball. I mean, they're seventh in the league um, so far at running the football. And honestly, this team's got some some areas where they are, uh, you know, offensively you're like, wow, really? I mean, they're, they're ninth right. in scoring in the league. Wow. Um, yep. They're seventh in the league in rushing. And, and then, then the numbers kind of, kind of start to tell off, uh, you know, from there. So, it's um, – it's it, it it is interesting. I think it's a good call. I think I think the thing that if I give any more away, I'm going to get into my keys of victory, which I know we're about to get to. But I like that. I I think these running backs, you know, in order to win this game, uh, I think the Falcons need to run the ball. And I yeah. think if the Falcons run the ball well, like they've done in the other two two games, not last week not as well, but like in week one, which I think they can, according to your stats, mm-hmm. they're gonna. They're going to take time away from the Seattle team who, ha- you know, hasn't really been great at, at, at scoring. I mean, I know that they've oh. – um, so, you know, it's – it's. it's-
muted myself with my card. <laughs> this is a Seattle team uh, that is only scoring 12 points a game. So that that really looks well. I mean, in their victory, I think they scored 17 or 16 or something like that. And, and, and then they scored seven last week and, and a blowout loss. So it's very interesting. But we probably need to get to our keys. I don't want to take over. but No, it, it actually is time to go ahead and get into our keys to the game. So without further ado, Bo, Bo Morgan, give me, a, give me a key. Well, we were just talking about red zone stuff. And uh, I told you guys that I had more to this, and it was part of my key. I've talked about what we, what, what the Falcons need to do on defense. Now I'm going to say what they need to do in offense in the red area. Mm-hmm. Falcons are scoring f- touchdowns 50% of the time. They're four of eight, eight possessions. They've scored four touchdowns in the red area. That is 19th in the league, and it's tied for 19th. So it's still early, so you know teams are all kind of have the same numbers. Right. This Seahawks defense – has been the ultimate Ben don't break defense so far. I know they gave up 27 points last week, uh-huh. but they have only given up two touchdowns in that red area. 22% wow. of the time they're allowing touchdowns. That is second in football. That is really good. I know it's mm-hmm. early, but that is pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so giving up, I think they're giving up 21 points a game. That's 15th. Last Again, these numbers are – that number is is a little bit skewed because you got blown out last week by a better team, and then, but the week before you played well. So that number, you know, that number's floating around there. So not only did we mention earlier about red zone efficiency for the defense, but the offense has got to be better. Again, scoring in the red area has been the reason why, to me, they're not winning games along with allowing too much. So if they can bring that number up this week against a defense that is not allowing touchdowns in that area. That is a big key for me this week. No, I'm right there with you. You you just plant, flat out have to be better in the red zone offensively, uh, defensively as well. You touched on it in your matchups. They just have to be in the red zone all to better in the red zone altogether as a team. So definitely a key. Another key for me is you touched on it, making sure these receivers and Geno Smith don't get going. Don't let them get into a rhythm. Because in these past couple of games, you've let you've let quarterbacks and receivers get into a rhythm. In game one, it was Jameis Winston and Michael Thomas. You let them get going in the second half. Uh, early on in the game, not so much in the second half, but in earlier in the game, you let Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup get going. Do not let Geno Smith and DK Metcalf and or Tyler Lockett get going at all this game. You've had a good second half. You've had a good First half, now you need to bring that together and have a complete football game. So you need to obviously limit turnovers, all the you know, all the regular things you need to do, but you need to most importantly have a complete football game. And on defense, don't let Geno Smith, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett get going. Make sure those guys never are in sync for the entirety of this football game. Sorry, I messed that up. I, I, I can't click. My, my clicker's not working. Um, so not I actually had – I love, I love that. I love that. I, I had limit big plays was one of my ones, yes. a key, but also had forced Gino into being Gino. And yeah. I'm not giving that because I think that is basically yours. Yeah. And I want to add to what you said. You pointed out you got to get to him early. Gino mm-hmm. has, has, has been able to get in a rhythm. 
right? That's something that you right. just said. You can't let him get rid of. Well, clearly he's completing 40, 47 of 58 passes he's completed. Now, not a lot of yards. We went over that. But as an eight, we talked about an 81% clip, if you forgot. So clearly he's been allowed to get in a rhythm, and it's 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 kept he's allowed him to kind of do his thing. Right. I don't think you're at the same level yet as the Niners, so I don't think you're going to beat them 27 to seven. That's not going to be my prediction no. in a minute. So I think that is you know we can't think about right. We can't say oh well you know he, they didn't really do much last week. If you don't allow him to get in a rhythm, then you make Geno Geno. And that's why I put that on there. The other thing that I wanted to get to for me is, is, is third down efficiency, all right? Yes. The Falcons' defense is 20th in, in stopping third downs. They're allowing third downs to be converted almost 44% of the time. That's not been good enough. But what's been even worse is the Falcons, uh, to me, on offense, they are, they are only converting – 34% of their third down opportunities. That's not good enough. Nope. Now, this is a defense that is actually worse than the Falcons on third down. They're allowing conversions on almost 47% clips. So wow. the Falcons have got to be better on third down. I'm not going to go Jeff Collins on you. Oh, it's the money down. It's the money down. But guess what? It's the money down, okay? It matters. We talked about red zone efficiency, which is huge. Third down efficiency is pretty big and the Falcons mm-hmm. have to be better offensively that is a key for this game improve your third down efficiency on offense like defense is defense whatever but offensively we have got to convert these third downs especially in key situations where we're you know we're driving in that red area and my other key is the I am so I feel like I am just harking on the same things but I'm trying to give you guys things that you won't hear other places necessarily, right. or maybe you do. Maybe I'm just a cliche guy, but I'm going to tell you one thing. Unforced errors on, yes. on key in key situations. So third downs. I'm going to start from the end. First off, you can't have first down penalties that like a holding or clip, any of those things that basically puts you now first and 20. It almost kills a drive right off the bat. Yep. But these penalties, unforced errors in the red area too, I think they've had four or five where, you know, you've had these unforced errors by holding or, you know, illegal shift or whatever in the red area, and it's killing you in there. So third down efficiency, and I'm going to go ahead and top off my third ones. I know we're getting up against it. But unforced errors in key situations, this team has been been hampered by them so far in the first two games. Got to clean that up if we want to get that W, come home one and two. And now it looks like, uh, you know, a pretty decent Cleveland team in, in week four. That's a great point you made because you look back to the these first two games of the season thus far, look at what happened in key situations. Third and one, you have a chance to win the game. Win your first game of the season, put everything on a high note, and end that Sunday on a complete and utter high because of how impressive you looked. Marcus Mariota, he gets a little eager. He said it himself. He saw a look that he really liked. He tried to rush a snap, fumbled it. You go back. You don't convert um, on fourth, or actually you punt it on fourth and one, and we know what happens after that. In the Rams game, Marcus Mariota trying to make a play, and this isn't necessarily his fault or anybody's fault. Jalen Ramsey makes a good play. Brian Edwards, you know, we we talked about it a little bit last week. He should have, or this week, he should have, you know, tried to bat the football down maybe. But anywho, Marcus Mariota throws it to Brian Edwards, trying to make a play. Jalen Ramsey intercepts it. 
You know what happens after that. And I can't remember if this other one I'm about to bring up happened during the Saints or the Rams game. I think it was the Saints game, but it could have been either game. Anywho, it was a it was a bad miscue. I believe it was third and one or no, no, it was fourth and one. And we were going to attempt to go for it. But then you get an illegal shift or some type of illegal procedure backs you up to fourth and five. You're no longer in the position to go for it. You have to punt. And that hurts you because I think the whether it was the Saints or the Rams, they went on and scored. I think it was the New Orleans Saints. So that hurts you. So you have to be better in these in these key situations, like Bo said. You just have to be better. So that is a huge key, Bo Morgan. And I'm and I'm definitely glad you brought that up because just so many times we've shot ourselves in the foot in opportune situations to win the game. And we just haven't been able to convert, haven't, haven't even been able to give ourselves a chance to execute. And another one I'll add on to that is the end of the game against the, the, the Rams. You don't even get to, I know it was a Hail Mary and it was a long shot, but you didn't even get to take a chance because on a three-man rush, I think it was Jake Matthews that whiffed. And no, 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 no. It wasn't Jake. Okay. It wasn't, Jake didn't whiff. I, I can't have you. I can't. I, we gotta have you. No, gotta I, don't wanna, I don't want to. I don't want to Jake. It was K- Caleb McGarry, and he didn't. And he didn't whiff. He just got. He got he full rush looked like, and kind of pushed yeah. back into the pocket. So Marcus had to move out, and then he eventually gets taken down. I just want to make sure we're right on everything. But you're no, right. No. That's a good I, point. No, I, I'm glad you corrected because I don't want to. I don't want to say anything that actually didn't happen. So thank you. But. The point is, you didn't even get a chance to see what was going to happen if you were able to make the throw. You didn't even get the throw off. So that's not okay. So the fumble against the Saints, the interception against the Rams, that other play where you're going to go for it on fourth and one, you have the illegal procedure, and you and you have, you know, it backs you up so you don't even get a chance to go for it. And then you're not getting, even getting a Hail Mary off at the end of the Rams game. Those little things where you have a chance to win the football game or tie it up or ice the game and you don't even get a chance to do it or you can't do it because of you shooting yourself in the foot. So like you said, key miscues at very inopportune times. That's a huge key, Bo. But with that, it is time to get into score predictions. Bo, what's the final score on Sunday? Well, you know, I picked the Rams last week, and I think I was really close to the final score. If I'm you mistaken. actually were. You, I can't. We'll have to. We'll have to rewind the tape. But you, I think you were very close. Yeah. Um. And I'm back on the Falcons this week. Look, I think the Falcons get it done. I, I, I wanted to say something like 27-17, but yeah. I know nothing is easy for us. So I'm going to go with 27-20 Falcons. Um. They they stay in that point average. I think they run the ball well against this team as one of the one of the one of the matchups or keys that you brought up. And I think it I think it I think it's gonna be a good day. I think it's gonna be a really good day for uh for Falcons fans and we're gonna come back one and two. So get ready. We're gonna we're gonna quiet we're gonna quiet down one of the loudest stadiums in the NFL. So twenty seven twenty Falcons roll. I love it. I love it. Gonna make that twelfth man quiet down a little bit. I like it. Like you said, so far this season, nothing has come easy for the Atlanta Falcons. But I do think they get their first win on Sunday. This is feeling like that type of game where, you know, Young Wiku, he, he he missed a field goal early on uh, last game. He's going to bounce back in a big way this game. Not to say he's struggling or anything, but this feels like a Young Wiku game winner type of game to me. So give me 23-20. to 20 
the Atlanta Falcons get their first win of the season, and hopefully we start rolling from here, Bo Morgan. Dude, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do it. Rise up, baby. Rise up. Rise up. Well, make sure you guys follow and download Peachtree Football to hear us rise up all season long, hopefully. And you heard it here. Falcons should get their first win on Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks. whole lot of matchups are in their favor. You heard the keys to the game. You got our score predictions. You're ready for Sunday. We're all ready to watch the Falcons hopefully get their first win of the regular season. For Bo Morgan, I'm Dylan Matthews. Again, make sure you follow Peachtree Football. Download Peachtree Football wherever you get your podcasts. That's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. We are there. So make sure you download Peachtree Football wherever you get your podcast. And you already know how we ending it. Oh, oh, oh.